Hey, friends, can you hear me? Okay, we're good. Excellent. All right, I am secretly afraid I will trip over my power cord at some point, so we're just going to hope and pray that does not happen. I also felt after viewing on the live stream earlier today and then Brian's session, I am without any visual aids, and so I apologize for that, so I'll try to throw in some animated hand gestures and... My pants are very pink, so that will be a visual aid, I hope. But um, in all seriousness, I'm just so grateful to be here. I feel very unqualified to do so and and therefore very grateful. But I uh, call Tyler, Texas home and have for about four years now. And this building, specifically in the foundry, which exists on the first floor, is quite literally my second home. I'm there countless hours every week having coffee dates with college students, which is what I do during the day, and uh, I just consider it such an, such an honor. I'm not Texas, uh, or not a, a Texan by, you know, I'm not a native Texan, if you will. I uh, grew up in Georgia and then moved here via Virginia, so all of our friends from, from Charlottesville. Um, that was my area, Central Virginia, for so long, so we're thankful that y'all are here, but I get to do college ministry, like I said, full-time at a church here, and uh, it's just very special, and in this space, I feel like I've been able to form some of the sweetest, conver- you know, our relationships that I have now, just having uh, conversations with, with students mostly, and now friends um, uh, about Christ, conversations about Christ over coffee, and so... Um, I'll refer to the Foundry a lot because it's special to me and to my story. And if you guys were to think back for yourselves maybe a year ago, you know, do you guys remember what you were doing a year ago? (laughs) I I was at home. I think I was ordering coffee online, uh, coming to pick it up here. I'm not sure what you were doing a year ago. Um, But if we think back to maybe two years pre-pandemic, Um, So I'll take a moment to think what that was like. But for me, at this exact time on Friday afternoons, you would have found me sitting downstairs at the foundry at their window seat. And I was there every Friday. It was my tradition. And I would have been drinking an Americano and eating a chocolate hand pie, which is just a fancy way to say a chocolate Pop-Tart, but it was homemade and it was delicious. And those served as my treats every Friday and as motivation because I was attempting to write and publish my my first book. And so that was just my tradition every Friday was to write in a place that was so special to me. And uh, that book, which praise God by his grace, has been published. It's called 20-something. And it's basically a collection of stories from my 20s meant to encourage and educate and entertain, really, women uh, walking through that very dynamic decade of their life. And if you think that this is a shameless plug for that book, you're 100% correct. Um, I gave a few years of my life and thousands of dollars in the process towards self-publishing it. And, uh, you know, I am biased, but I think it would make for an excellent graduation gift if you have any of those women in your life. Um, But it was, gosh, such a process, that whole thing. And... Uh, I'll get more into that later, but for now, uh, if you looked at the title of my talk, 
which is uh, the fleshiness of the creative process when our wounds are worth sharing. And yes, I was trying too hard with that talk title, but uh, you should know that I am um, shockingly not a doctor, okay? Uh, <laughs> like, what do I even know about wounds or wound care other than what I've witnessed uh, through Grey's Anatomy, which was my quarantine show of choice. It was my guilty pleasure. Watched it all the way through, which is embarrassing. There's a million seasons. But I, you know, up until this week, I literally knew nothing about wound care. Uh, but through our friend Google, I feel like at least now I have a slightly better idea of what happens, physiologically speaking, when our bodies are wounded. And um, so I'm going to present that to you a little later get excited, and the internet never lies, so surely the things I'm going to be sharing are, are really accurate and true. But let's talk about the creative process for a second. And I don't hesitate, perhaps, to call myself a creative. You probably would not either. I hesitate to call myself an artist. I don't consider myself an artist. But I believe creativity is God's gift to all of us um, in some form or fashion. And so I was wrestling about what to share in this time with you. Um, I really wanted to talk about that creative process because I think that we all encounter it in our own way over time. And so for me, over the past few years of writing and then simultaneously recounting these deeply personal stories about my life and then sharing them <laughs> with the world and then even asking people, you should read these, you know, deeply meaningful, personal things. Um, it's just shocking to me that I, that I even was able to do that because it's so unlike me, naturally. Um, but it ended up being one of the most freeing and refreshing experiences of my life to, to be so honest and to be so vulnerable, hopefully in, in service to the readers. And so, like I said, for someone who's more naturally guarded, I'm pretty private when it comes to sharing the hard stuff. Is anyone else like that? Like you're known in your friend group as the one who really hates group share, you know? You're like sitting at a dinner table and you're like, okay, here we go. I'm going to muster up something authentic to say during group share tonight. I, I don't like that at all. But so it's hilarious to me now that... Um, that I had such a desire to, to share these vulnerable things, um, these deep insecurities that I had, particularly in my last decade of life, but often still do have, um, these hurtful and hard things that I've either brought upon myself or experienced uh, because of others' selfishness. And like Brian mentioned to us earlier, we know we cannot help but be affected constantly by our own brokenness and, and therefore the brokenness of others. But I found it somehow easier to share those really tender pieces of myself and my story um, through writing. And, and normally those things I reserve like singularly for my private conversations with God. You know, like I, I can do that easily, um, but then to share it beyond that is somewhat difficult. And many of those hard things, those, you know, difficult things, those areas, wounds in my life, um, centered around what I felt like I was lacking when I left the decade of my 20s behind. You know, things that, especially in comparison to other people's stories, were not by any means tragic, 
okay? Um, but rather these places that I refer to now as like the tender places of my heart, those continuously tender places. Um, some of those things like being, you know, the insecurity of, of being even a single woman in the church, not having a family of her own despite that desire, that that's a tender place of my story, or not owning a home, or not, you know, I don't know, have more to what I call show for myself when I turned 30, you know, experiencing, um, you know, leaving behind a, a high-paying job to work in ministry, and, and I saw my bank account uh, suffer a little bit in the process, but that's okay. The Lord takes care of us, and so I just felt behind I felt behind all my friends, both personally and professionally. And I was like, what do I do with this, Lord? I don't know what to do with these feelings of, of just being behind. I don't know what to do with these, these tender places. It's almost as if, you know, it's, it's like those places in our life that feel like a bruise, you know? Maybe not like an open wound, but like a bruise that you just can't seem to get rid of because it keeps getting like pushed and prodded and pressed up against, and um, that's kind of what this creative process uh, felt like for me. But the process of even remembering and recounting those hard and tender things from my 20s and even still brought so much healing as I navigated them uh, with the Lord, and I hope will provide, you know, hope and healing to those that, that now hear them. And you guys probably know, like with, uh, or to varying degrees, we know what the creative process can be like. You know, we, we all experience that in, in lots of different ways. And when we create and then when we share those things that we have created, you know, we experience the fleshiness of that creative process. And we know that at the end result of that process and we present, you know, the thing, it's so deeply personal, right, and vulnerable because... Our essence and our DNA is woven throughout all of it, and, and we can't present that thing without presenting at least some of ourselves, and so we feel so protective of it, so sensitive towards it. And, you know, in the same way that our Father informing us made that experience personal to himself by creating us in his likeness, we now reflect him in his nature when we create and we, too, put pieces of ourselves and our stories and our likenesses into the things that we now get to form. Sometimes, even unknowingly, we don't even realize we're doing it, whether that thing, you know, be a song or a sermon or a piece of art or a piece of pie, which is always my personal favorite, you know, expressions of food is, is always going to be, you know, the thing that I prize the most. Uh, and desire for others to give to me. But, um, you know, there's just endless possibilities to the creative process and those things, you know, which therefore hold pieces of, of our own likeness. And although we carry the likeness of God in our images, we also recognize um, and appreciate that although we bear his image, he does not bear ours. He is not like us because when we create, we cannot help but impart also our limitations and our weaknesses and our woundedness um, and struggles. And he is unlike us in that sense. He doesn't have any weakness or limitation to impart. And yet he still understands 
that about us, doesn't he? He's so patient with us in that. He understands we are limited. He understands we're prone to being wounded, uh, to being broken, and even to bring that upon others. One of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 103, in the New Living Translation, it says that he understands how weak we are. He understands. He remembers that we are only dust. And so Christ, you know, makes a continual habit out of exchanging our broken things to become these places of beauty with his healing touch. And it's our wounds, whether they are self-inflicted, which many of mine are, or either imparted by others, which many of us have experienced, they reveal to us our continual need for healing and renewal and revival and a healing that we cannot muster up on our own even though we try. It's rather a healing that's been gifted to us by a Savior that, as Isaiah 53 so famously recounts to us, was wounded on our behalf and pierced for our very transgressions. And so it's out of those places, you know, the dead or dark or desperate places within each of us that can be and need to be touched and transformed by a near and loving Savior. And it's in those places that reveal new depths of the beauty of the gospel, not only to ourselves, but praise God also to others. And in the past couple years of me writing, I just, I kept thinking about those places, those tender places, the places that sometimes seem, you know, like I mentioned earlier, to be wounded or pressed up against over and over and over again, and therefore need to be embraced by the Father over and over and over again. And he does and always will embrace those, those places with his healing touch. And instead of trying to hide them or cover them uh, or leave them out of the pages as I wanted to so badly, I found that it was those specific places, those scars and the stories that they told that were exactly the ones that needed to be shared. Because they were no longer the things that I thought would disqualify me but rather were my greatest opportunity to testify to the sufficiency and provision and transformation that comes singularly in Christ alone. Amen? But there's a caveat here, uh, and I encountered this, this often in my creative process. I think that wisdom has something to teach us in that process too. And that is there is so much beauty that can come when we share our wounds but also at the proper time. Therefore, not as ones that are open and fresh and bleeding out everywhere, therefore risking infection, but instead we can and should share our wounds as ones that have been allowed to heal through being hidden in Christ and touched by Christ. Wounds that, in other words, have now become scars because a scar reminds us and those that see it um, that the healing has already occurred. And what is left is proof of our survival. It's proof that the thing we were once inflicted by has passed and and we have experienced healing. Praise God. Just in the same way if I were sitting with my, you know, five-year-old niece and and I'm showing her some of my favorite scars. And if you have, you know, are prone to injury as I am, you have many scars and some of them are your favorites. And so I would show her, you know, the, the scar on my index finger 
When I was her age, I snuck out one morning and uh, was trying to cut wood with the hatchet that my dad had hidden. And although I, you know, d did not successfully cut any of the wood, cut a large chunk out of my finger and, and had a lot of stitches to prove it, uh, that can be a teacher to her. Or I can show her, you know, where on my chin a few years later, I was riding my bike and lost control and crashed into the bumper of a large school bus. And <laughs> I'm not sure which was worse, the physical scar of those stitches or the emotional scar uh, of embarrassment that results from crashing into a stationary bus because it's not like it came out of nowhere, you know? I just, it was there and I hit it head on. So that was embarrassing. <laughs> so anyways, our scars, they tell stories. They tell stories of our lives. And every scar tells us and those people that we have survived and that we have overcome and that healing has happened. But like I referred to earlier, when we are wounded, and in this specific sense I mean emotionally or, or personally, I think it's wise to think of why and when we should share those things. And our temptation, mine included, will always be to share it too early, <laughs> right? To expose the wound prematurely perhaps for attention or admiration because we tend to be a culture and a people group who praise and prize real-time authenticity above everything, right? Like the people have to know what I just walked through and they have to know it now. You know, I owe that to them. Because if I don't share it immediately, I risk its validity and could be seen as a fraud. And so then we find ourselves in these patterns of valuing some sense of perceived authenticity above even our own actual healing. And we know that not everything needs to be shared publicly the moment it is experienced. We see this go poorly all the time online. You know, if you're ever scrolling through a feed and it, you read something from a friend or even a stranger that's like so deeply personal, and, but you know it's also so fresh. And you're just like, oh my gosh, like, oh no, it, it's, it's too soon, it's too fresh. Um, and then you remember maybe that person was yourself and then you quickly delete it and I feel embarrassed about that. But, and I say that to also communicate that obviously lament and grief and confusion is allowed. Uh, it's even encouraged, particularly lament with entire books of scripture. And God has gifted to us in those moments outlets for processing our grief and our wounds. And often those are creative outlets, which is his gift to us. But the public nature of our sharing that seems to be so prized, the revealing of things so soon and so immediately and so suddenly, uh, I had to find myself, or I, asked, I was asking myself, you know, am I really after the healing of Christ or am I after something else here? Am I after a reaction or a response or admiration for my courage of thank you for your vulnerability and and I fall prey to this all the time. Uh, maybe perhaps those of us who, who are in ministry, I feel like sometimes we can barely walk through a hard day without turning it into a sermon illustration in our mind before the day is even done, right? I do this constantly. I'm like, ooh, that's going to make for a great tweetable moment right there. This crappy thing that I'm walking through is going to make for a great story. I can't wait to share it. And, you know, I tend to care more about the response and the reaction than anything else, including my own health and wholeness in Christ. 
and I will try to bypass his healing touch, which most often happens in the still and the quiet places with either just him and I initially, or maybe after that with the addition of a, of a trusted friend. I will bypass that and instead go straight for the public, the public place, the online place, the crowded place, knowing that there I may not receive what is actually needed, which is a healing touch, but will certainly be met with plenty of pats on the back for my bravery or my willingness to share so authentically. And I fight this tendency. And this is, it's honestly, it's such a fine balance for us, I think, particularly in ministry, because we know that honesty is necessary. Truth is, is necessary. And it requires, I think, a great deal of dependence on the wisdom of God and his spirit. But I know myself, and I know that I tend to care more about public perception than the healing that Jesus offers me, that he offers to all of us. Because sometimes we just don't seem to be satisfied by walking through the wounded places with just him. We want to walk through them with the onside of the public, too, as they watch our journey unfold before them. And I say all this not to minimize the power of story. I believe in it so deeply. Uh, or to minimize the power of the broken places or the wounded places in our lives, but rather to highlight, most specifically, my own tendency to go after admiration more so than transformation. And the healing process, it is meant to be a transformative work. It has to be. But again, I, I'm a glutton for admiration more so than healing. And to let you guys quickly in on, you know, a little secret that I referred to earlier regarding, you know, all the scholarly research I did on Google this week uh, about how wounds work, uh, here's a little secret for you guys. Um, there used to be a belief that exposing a wound or a cut so that it could breathe would speed up the healing process. This is, this is believed for a long time. Uh, but according to what I have found, the exposure of the wound actually slows down the healing. It slows it down. Because a fresh wound, it needs time, particularly at the onset, to remain covered and to be protected because wounds actually need moisture in order to heal. And so by covering a fresh wound, the natural moisture is retained so that the skin cells can remain alive. And also the covering protects the wound from, you know, all those external factors such as germs or dirt, uh, therefore limiting infection. And because this is an intellectual crowd, and, and I mean that with sincerity, I know I don't have to imply how the healing of physical wounds corresponds so beautifully with the healing of our emotional or personal ones, too. And as I recounted earlier, we actually hinder the healing when we expose wounds too early to everyone that at the onset, this broken place, you know, perhaps within our heart, this tender place, this wounded place, it benefits from being covered in Christ for a time and being protected from the public's place. Or place. And when we pair that with the healing salve of his presence, the healing salve of a small group of trusted community who actually cares about our healing, uh, we therefore protect that vulnerable place from being infected by premature exposure. And we realize that for an appropriate time, um, 
we can give that tender place its time. It's time so that it can be cleaned out, so that new growth can eventually take place in the same way that new growth happens in our physical bodies. New growth occurs in our spirits as well. And so with time and care and attention, our physical cells on our bodies, they're actually growing and they're dividing and they're migrating to find the wounded tissue and to replace it with new tissue. And we see that wound move from a place that perhaps is, you know, like a scab, which is just in the middle of the process, to eventually, with time, it becomes a scar, which is the mark that is left when healing has actually occurred. And as someone with plenty of both physical and personal scars, they reveal to us and to those around us that the wound has been healed. And it no longer has to be covered or embarrassed about or ashamed of. It reminds us that we have lived, that we have survived. Each scar then tells a beautiful story of redemption and healing. A story that vitality and restoration and life are possible even after the deepest of cuts in our lives, when we thought we wouldn't survive. Because what was severed so deeply or taken from us or stolen from us, scars teach us that that was not our end. And the story keeps going. And our scars teach other people that too. And that I have found healing through the kindness and touch and patience of Christ. Therefore, healing is also possible for you when I share that with you. Those are the stories that our scars tell us. And then our wounds become worth sharing because they can also be healing teachers to others. And our healed wounds often become, as we see throughout our lives, our greatest opportunities for testimony, do they not? They don't have to be the things that hinder our ministries or our families or our communities, but rather become a source of our greatest ministry. We see this so often, you know, in Scripture, when someone uh, encounters Christ, particularly in the gospel, someone who's been afflicted, um, after experiencing the healing power of Jesus, he encourages them, now go and share, you have been healed. Go share the good news. And we see entire villages being Im impacted by the testimony of one person that's encountered the healing of Christ. And I have seen this play out specifically this year in my own sharing of stories that often my greatest opportunities for encouragement towards young women that I walk alongside come from the deepest wounds in my life that have been met with the affection and attention and transformation of Christ. And how I am comforted in this is, as I try to wrap things up, no one, including our Savior, when he was here on the earth, escaped being wounded. And none of us do, this side of eternity, whether that be emotionally or physically or mentally or spiritually. It is a reality that we all share. We will all be wounded in some way. And so then we have a choice. And as author Henry Nowen states, he says the main question is not how can we hide our wounds so we don't have to be embarrassed, but how can we put our woundedness into the service of others? How can we put our woundedness in the service to others? And I believe part of that service uh, that is necessary today is the simple and yet powerful act of storytelling, which is why I just really 
believed and, and sensed in my own spirit a few years back, the Lord impressed upon me to, to share these stories from my life, to share scars and the wounded, and as I mentioned earlier, still sometimes tender places of my heart through words on the page, who will hopefully be read by women that I will never meet, but prayerfully will meet God in those pages and through those stories will see his character and sufficiency and goodness and wholeness despite the brokenness of the storyteller. And we can all be a part of that. And we can all be people who present our woundedness to the service of others. So that through our own stories of disappointment, which there are many, which this year has shown us more than ever before, or our stories of doubt or failure, or even in all honesty, our stories of delight and celebration and provision. You know, these stories and our scars, they reveal the need ultimately for a better story, the story of our Savior, the story of the good and refreshing news of Christ, of his sufficiency, of his satisfaction, of his ability to mend every broken place within us and around us whose very story we see uh, so famously in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, after he has resurrected from the dead and then he reveals himself to the disciples. And he says to Thomas, the doubter, you'll remember this, and, and he sticks out his hand, he offers his, his wounded hand to Thomas, and he says, put your finger here and see my hands, see my scarred hands. And place your hand here in my side where I was pierced for you, Thomas, for the very doubt that you brought into this room. That's why I was pierced, for your disbelief. And so then we see Thomas's doubt was subsided by the wounds and scars of his Savior, the wounds that he both felt and saw. And so we too, we get to share and we get to show the things from the past and our stories that may have hurt us, maybe what has wounded us, so as to present the better story of the necessity of redemption and wholeness and the healing found only and completely in Christ. Healing that can, yes, be encouraged uh, by the initial covering and the care of Christ, of community, of time, but ultimately made possible in Christ alone, who then gives us the joy and the courage to share our scars, not with shame, but in service to him and in service to others. Not for admiration, but for proclamation of our deepest need and longing being satisfied in him. And so may we learn to share the stories that our scars reveal. They're all unique to all of us. Because those scars are not definitive of who we are, praise God, but rather declarative of who we need and the one that makes healing in our deepest sense not only possible but promised through the provision of our Savior and friend and healer in Christ Jesus. So may we share those things with courage and always in service to others. So thank you guys. Thank you.